What an episode. Welcome back to Josh Takes. We're talking episode 3 of Survivor 42, which was just a classic case of the bunny rabbit having dinner in the mailbox, am I right? As always, I'll be handing out Josh Awards, reviewing the results of the listener survey, providing my predictions for next week, and this week, I'm doing something a little different. Instead of my normal boot breakdown, I'm going to be sharing my 10 ways that Daniel and Chanel could have avoided catastrophe. Thanks for joining me. Now, it's time to talk Survivor. My first Josh Award is the Bad Clark Kent Impression Award. This week we received 15 survey responses, and when I asked you what your favorite moment of the episode was, five of you said it was when Jonathan just absolutely beasted that challenge. It reminded me of when, in every Superman movie, Clark Kent inevitably has to reveal the fact that he has superpowers because he has to rescue a bunch of civilians from danger. Would anyone even be surprised at this point if Jonathan just came out as the first superhero to ever play Survivor? Ridiculous. Equally ridiculous, though, was the little bow he gave Jeff after Jeff praised him for one of the most impressive challenge performances of all time. I loved that little bow. Namaste, Jonathan. Namaste. Meanwhile, the other two tribes are out there like, Namaste out here and just drown. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, that's a horrible challenge. It looked terrible. You literally had to be a superhero to get through it. Not much more to say there. And for the other 10 of you, per the survey, your favorite moments of episode 3 were surrounding the Green Vati tribe who went to tribal council. Now this week, we saw some of the worst survivor gameplay that we have ever seen on this show, and I'm not exaggerating. We saw two people go from the top of their tribe straight to the bottom. Last week in my podcast episode, I was talking about how Daniel and Chanel were really in a good position on their tribe, and I thought there was no way that they were going to be able to screw it up. Well, I was very wrong. And so while there are a lot of different ways to discuss all the different things that went wrong and all the different dynamics on this tribe, I'm just going to give you my 10 ways that Daniel and Chanel could have avoided catastrophe. Okay, this one's a little nitpicky, but I do think that it could have been the pivotal difference maker that sent Vati to Tribal Council, and that's during the immunity challenge. I noticed that Chanel was the only person throwing the beanbags overhand instead of underhand. Now, she didn't have to see Season 41 and JD yelling, quote-unquote, money to know that this is not the best way to toss these things. You have much more precision when you toss them underhand, and it's been shown over and over again across other seasons that this is the way that you should go. Next, after the challenge, Chanel is sent to Shipwheel Island to meet Omar. They walk up that big hill, they talk, get to know each other, get good vibes, and then are sent to the different wheels to make their decisions. Now, Omar chooses to risk his vote based on the fact that Chanel told him clearly that she was not going to lose her vote tonight, that she could not risk her vote because it was very important to get through this vote tonight. Omar, I think, makes a really good read and decision based on the information presented to him. 
I, you know, it didn't work out for him. And Chanel's decision here is going to kind of not just screw him, but multiple people over that we're going to discuss later as well. So I don't really fault Omar for anything that happened here. He's going to be very shocked when he walks into the booth next week or the next tribal council that he's a part of and see that he has lost his vote. Now, Chanel, on the other hand, she says to the camera, I'm afraid of playing too scared. She thinks that she'll regret it if she doesn't make big moves like this in the game. But I just want to point out that I feel like that's just a different form of playing scared. If you're afraid to play conservative because you'll regret it, it's just another way of being afraid. And I think instead she should just focus not on, should I be afraid or should I not be afraid? But instead just what is the right call? What is the smart move to make here? So Chanel heads back to camp and is greeted immediately by Daniel. She tells him in that first interaction that she has likely lost her vote. Now they only seem to have a few minutes before heading to tribal council, so they got to come up with a plan quick. One option that they could have gone with in order to avoid catastrophe would be very simple, but it requires them answering this one question. What's so wrong with Hi and Lydia? What is wrong with them that they are willing to risk their entire game and blow things up just to target Lydia and send her home and keep working with Jenny and Mike over them? At this point, Daniel and Chanel are in the middle. They're in this great position in their tribe where they could go left with Jenny and Mike or they can go right with Hi and Lydia. Just tell me what's so great about Jenny and Mike that they're willing to blow up their entire game to go with them. They could have easily just decided to go with Hi and Lydia, who already trust them, and vote out Jenny, be a four-person majority in a five-person tribe where the fifth person, Mike, doesn't even have a vote at this time. Very simple, clean plan. Go forward, execute, and they would be A-okay. Now, Daniel and Chanel do come up with a plan. And to be honest, it's not that bad of a plan in theory. They want to finagle a specific form of a vote split where they tell Hi and Lydia that the guys are going to vote for Mike and the girls are going to vote for Jenny. This leaves Hi and Lydia's votes divided among two different people. Therefore, Daniel, Chanel, and Jenny, who have three other votes, can all vote for Lydia and vote her out. And then there would be a 3-1-1 vote split. It's unclear whether or not High immediately sniffed out this fishy plan from the beginning or if it was that moment where we see him overhear Chanel whispering to Daniel, vote Lydia. It's unclear, but it doesn't really matter uh, whether he and Lydia sniffed it out at the beach or later at Tribal. The result is that they do stick both of their votes on Jenny. They do stick together and don't go with this vote split that Daniel and Chanel had tried to convince them of. So what could Daniel and Chanel have done differently here if they really wanted to go down this path? Well, they could have revealed some information that they had. They could have shared with them that, you know, Mike has an idol. They don't have to get into all the details about his idol and how, you know, it has to be activated and they he doesn't have a vote. But they could say, hey, we need to do this specific vote plan because we got to play around Mike's idol. I think that if the four of us do this, then we can navigate this next vote successfully. While Hi and Lydia are rightfully suspicious of the fact that Daniel and Chanel have a very specific vote plan that if Daniel and Chanel screwed them over, it wouldn't work, 
This 3-1-1 might have worked if Daniel and Chanel had given them a little bit more information about the situation at hand. Okay, so here's another way that Daniel and Chanel could have avoided catastrophe. It's a little bit hard to explain uh, without like drawing it out, but I'll do my best here uh, over the podcast. Daniel and Chanel, if they had in this fake vote splits, be the one to vote for Jenny and High and Lydia vote for Mike, it would have allowed Jenny to, once there was a tie, to re-vote alongside Daniel and High. And then on the re-vote, Daniel and Jenny would have been able to vote for Lydia. It's kind of a convoluted situation, but the difference is, is because of the way that the vote split was arranged by Daniel, Chanel, and then High and Lydia, it left that High and Lydia contingency voting for the person who then was not able to re-vote. If Daniel and Chanel had flipped it around, they could have still let, you know, High and Lydia, who should be skeptical and wanting to vote together as their closest allies so that their votes weren't divided in a 3-1-1 situation, they could have allowed High and Lydia to stick together, but they should have just made them the ones that were designated to vote for or vote for Mike and then High and Chanel, or sorry, Daniel and Chanel would have been the ones to vote for Jenny, but really they're switching their votes to vote for Lydia. And so, therefore, on the tie, the revote with Daniel and Jenny would have been enough to send Lydia home. Again, it's a little bit hard to follow, and it would have been a lot to come up with in that moment, you know, just those few minutes before tribal council, but it is a legitimate option that they could have taken if they had thought of it before going to tribal council. Okay, here's another way that Daniel and Chanel could have avoided disaster. They could have tried to convince Lydia or High to play their shot in the dark. I think particularly Chanel could have gone to Lydia and told her, Hey, I don't have a vote tonight. I just lost it at Shipwheel Island. Daniel, though, I just talked with him, and he says that he wants to go with Jenny and Mike. But I want to work with you moving forward. Play your shot in the dark. It's the only chance you have of escaping tonight. With Lydia not knowing anything about Mike's beware advantage situation, I can't see any reason why she wouldn't trust Chanel and not play her shot in the dark. I feel like this is a weird strategy because it's a very new mechanic in Survivor, but this isn't the most complicated of all the options that Daniel and Chanel had. They really could have just tried this this method to try to get their votes cut from High and Lydia having two down to one. Let's talk about Tribal Council now, and while there's too much to discuss here in this podcast, I do want to touch on one small point, which, of course, Daniel didn't need to do, and that was discuss why he's going to lose Survivor 42. Not only is this kind of just grandstanding and really just, I don't know, feels like when you're going on a monologue like this, you're really putting a target on your back anyways as someone who's really thought about the game and, you know, how you're being perceived and even if it's coming across as funny, which it seemed to actually be landing as pretty funny with his tribe. I think the thing that he did most wrong in this moment was when Jeff asked him, who calms you down? Now, this is a classic Jeff Probst trap question. 
Daniel needed to deflect, deflect, deflect. He did not need to actually answer this question, which he kind of realized halfway because he started by saying Chanel calms me down, which, okay, that's not very controversial. She's your closest ally. Everybody understands that. But then he goes on to Mike calming him down. And you can see High just kind of give a little uh, squint, a turn of the head, a confused look on his face as Daniel mentions somebody who is supposed to be you know, the other side of the line that's been drawn in the sand. And so I think Daniel actually catches himself in this moment. And that's why he starts talking about how his mom and his girlfriend and even Jeff Probst himself calm him down. But, you know, no one's buying that, especially when he mentions Jeff Probst. Like Jeff is there to stress you out, not to calm you down. So I think, of course, there's a lot of little things that Daniel did wrong, but this is worth its own little bullet point here to show just that Daniel was already giving away signals to Hi and Lydia. Do not trust me. Do not trust me. And thankfully, my winner pick High picked up on it. And that's where we're going next. Okay, before I get to the next point on how Daniel and Chanel screwed everything up, I just got to take a victory lap to celebrate my winner pick High and how well he did that episode. That guy was amazing. So I'm just soaking it in at him making every right decision he could have possibly made at that tribal council. It has got me incredibly pumped to say the least. He had no information. He had Jenny, Mike, Daniel, Chanel, all trying to vote him out. He could have made a poor decision, he could have folded, he could have been scared, he could have turned on Lydia, but no. And so, why am I happy? Why am I so pumped? Because I got high, because I got high. Okay, thank you for humoring me. As you can tell, I'm very excited that I have a legitimate winter pick candidate still live on the board doing super well but the point I really want to make here about this rock draw conversation is that Daniel had one of the worst ways you could open any sort of conversation like this rock draws are always games of chicken you're trying to get the other side to blink now what we've never seen before is just two people like this trying to get the other one to blink or at least not in this way and so what Daniel did to open up with by saying I do not want to go to rocks. Let's just get that straight from the beginning. Is like playing a game of chicken where you're telling the other driver, okay, whatever happens, uh, we're not going to crash our cars into each other, okay? I don't want to crash my car. I don't want to damage it. Can we just agree on that? Can you imagine in Furious 7 when Vin Diesel and Jason Statham are staring each other down before they're about to play chicken and run into each other that Vin Diesel just gets out of his car and says, hey, before... uh." We drive, I just want to make sure that we both know that I'm never going to crash my car into you. I mean, what kind of game of chicken is that where you just give it away in the first sentence that you're not going to actually be the one to crash this these cars into each other? Uh, essentially, that's what Daniel did, and he gave High the complete upper hand, which High did well to capitalize on, but it was honestly more about Daniel's failure in that first initial starting off of the discussion that just gave away the entire game.
Okay, here's one more thing that Daniel could have done to avoid disaster during this rock draw conversation. So he's at a point now where he knows Jenny's got to go home. He doesn't want to go to rocks, clearly, and he's got to find a way to make this avoiding rock draw situation appealing. And so I think what he tried to do but did it really poorly was disperse the blame amongst other people. Now, he threw Chanel under the bus, but what he could have done instead was loop in Chanel and Mike and say to them, hey, I know that you don't have official votes in the situation, but we came in wanting to vote Lydia out together, so I want us to come to a consensus on whether we are willing to go to rocks for Jenny or whether we want to vote her out and move forward together. I think the three of them probably would have decided to vote out Jenny. Now, maybe Mike would have wanted to go to Rocks, but I know Chanel wouldn't have wanted to, I'm sure. So they would have at least had two of the three of them on the same page and would have made Daniel not look so bad in this moment. And there's one small thing that I think you might have picked up on that Daniel could have done better, but that's the next point here. Okay, my biggest and 10th gripe with the way that Daniel and Chanel handled this situation has to be the way that Daniel threw Chanel under the bus and burned the one potential bridge he could have salvaged from the situation. Now, maybe by voting out Jenny to avoid a rock draw, he would have burned a bridge with Mike, and he had already clearly burned a bridge with High and Lydia by siding with Mike, Jenny, and Chanel over them. But at least he had Chanel, right? Wrong. Apparently, Daniel had to go and throw that relationship away as well by trying to make her seem like the guilty one instead of him. I literally do not understand the strategy in this move. The other ones I can kind of, you know, tilt my head left, tilt my head right, and I can see what he was going for, but this just looked like pure panic from my guy Daniel, and I just, oh man, it it killed me because it was such bad strategic gameplay. He could have at least just moved forward with Chanel and at least they have two people in a five-person tribe where only four people can vote. And they would have had a near majority, especially if they could have wooed Mike back by just telling them, hey, we just didn't want to go to Rocks. It's not like we didn't like Jenny. It's just that we just didn't want to get voted out to keep her in. So (sighs) there's a lot that they could have done differently, but that's the one that really bothers me. Lastly, I just want to go over the results of the MVP voting. Uh, The four people who received votes in no particular order are Jonathan, Chanel, Daniel, and Hai. And so you might be surprised that Daniel and Chanel each got two votes, but I'm glad that some of you put their names out there because without them, this episode would not have been chef's kiss, one of the greatest episodes of pre-merge survivor that we've ever seen and so i'm glad they got their credit here in the mvp voting from you all now we also received uh votes for high and jonathan and high took it home with eight while jonathan only had three that seems about right jonathan's performance was all time but high was really just man amazing johnny on the spot when push came to show when he had fire under his feet he held strong and uh, of course, I won't need to sing the song again, but I am so glad that I've got high and uh, very much looking forward to what else he can do the rest of the season.
Thanks for sticking around for another episode of Josh Takes. I know this one was a little bit of a longer episode, but we just had to go a little bit longer for an all-time pre-merge episode. So I will see you next week after episode four of season 42.